0: Hall of Fame edition of One Cardinal, One Cub, and One Beer. We do not have our voice of reason. I've heard through the grapevine that uh, he is uh, nursing a a cold of some sort. So, uh, Maxwell, hope you get better. Uh, Very excited. we got a great panel coming on later on in the show. I want to start off by asking you to like us on Facebook, and you can contact us through beer at gmail.com. You can always support our efforts through Patreon. You go to patreon.com. Just search one cardinal, one cub, and one beer, and you can support our efforts. We're so appreciative of that. Do want to update you on the guest the cubby. Uh, The gentleman I had behind me last week I thought was going to be a a little tough. Uh, But Mark Marianello, once more. He's on a roll. Herman Franks, who caught for the Cubs in the 50s, I believe, and managed the Cubs in the 70s, uh, a couple cents with the Cubs, he was the Cub there. So, uh, so far, uh, Mark Marionello has five tallies, Tom Boucher has two, Kuderlev and Mike Buchanan each have one. And remember, um, you're trying to collect tallies here, and this will go on till the end of spring training. And the person with the most tallies at the end of spring training, they're going to win our prize package that includes uh, some cups, uh, drinking stuff, uh, shirt stuff, stuff, stuff. But you do get two tickets to a Cardinal game or a Cup game, depending on which one you want. So um, continue to contact us, uh, do the email, you can direct messages, you can put a comment somewhere on um youtube or on our uh um, one of our podcast uh sites uh the first one that we can verify that came in first that's that's who gets the tally so pretty excited about that jj how are you doing
1: really good uh we had a nice storm uh sunday night monday morning so i've pretty much been staying in over the weekend and uh Watched a lot of, uh, amazingly, I go on YouTube and watch a lot of White Sox baseball games. I love old Harry Carey when he was calling the games. Oh, the- Look at that. Hey,
0: all right. The, the, the White Sox City Connect jersey.
1: I'm oh, wearing it. Man, I like it. You had Cincinnati last week, and you got the White Sox this week. Very cool. I'm wearing the uh, the Texas Ranger out of respect for Adrian Beltran, who... As we will talk about, uh, went to Hall of Fame today, and I was a big fan of his, so congratulations. Well,
0: let's, let's go ahead and talk about it. Sure. Uh, we have Beltray, We have Todd Helton. We have Joe Maurer. Uh, and we also have Jim Leland going in. What do you think about the class?
1: Very nice class. That's going to be a nice Hall of Fame induction next year. Leland, the old salty manager. I love him. I always think of him with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates and getting on to Barry Bonds, a very classic moment. I got a Joe Maurer card here. Uh, one of those guys that played his whole career with one team. He's from Minnesota, three batting titles. Fantastic. First ballot hall of famer. Uh, we have, uh, like I said, uh, Beltran and I only have Dodger cards. I could find before we started uh, doing the thing tonight, but um uh, I was down in Texas, and they really started uh, revving up the statistics and how great a player he was. Not that he needed it, because in my book, I I did a lot of research. I think he might be the third greatest third baseman that ever existed, and there's not a whole lot of third basements in there. 18 third basements. Now with Beltran, that's 19 third basements in there. And, of course, uh, oh uh, Todd Hilton. And I have a couple of cards of Todd Helton as well, right there, and uh, quarterback for the uh, Tennessee uh, football team as well. Yeah, yes. So uh,
0: Beltray had a weird career. He started with the Dodgers, and they gave up on him kind of early and shipped him to Seattle, where he was kind of in obscurity. Yeah, and then he went to Texas, and he was relatively in obscurity there too because they're just not high-profile teams. (laughs) He did go to two World Series with the Rangers, um, but he was one of those players that he kind of reminded me of Hank Aaron. Um, Not that he hit a bunch of home runs like Aaron did, but it's like one day in the early 70s, everybody woke up and said, hey, this Aaron guy from Milwaukee, he just might catch Ruth. And nobody could believe it. And it's like one day we all woke up and boy, Adrian Beltre, he's uh he's going to get 3000 hits pretty soon. <laughs> Man, that's that's an automatic ticket to the Hall of Fame. He kind of did it under the radar. Um but think about it, if he would have stayed with the uh with the Dodgers with that high profile. My gosh, he he would be on commercials everywhere.
1: Yeah, they did give up on him. And, you know, if you look at his stats from 29, because usually you can see, like Acuna Jr., you can see how every year he's just getting better and better and putting up these incredible numbers. He put up nice numbers, but it wasn't earth-shattering, and the Dodgers let him go. But he really didn't hit his stride till he hit about 30 years old. And from then on, he was on fire. And I've got some stats here. Uh, as far as war, he is fifth all-time behind Schmidt, Eddie Matthews. Oh, I'm sorry, he's third behind Schmidt and Eddie Matthews, who I do think are the two greatest third basements that ever lived. And then Wade Boggs is right behind him, and then George Brett. So if you're in that company right there and played that many years, that's pretty amazing. And in almost every statistic, there's only a couple of Hall of Famers ahead of him. And, and uh, like batting average, it's only uh, Boggs and Brett that are ahead of him as uh, for batting average as a third baseman. That's a very tough defensive – I mean, that's a very tough position. Uh, Sometimes with those screaming line drives down there, the hot corner, you're kind of taking your life in your own hand. He also was a great hitter. and I, Vince, one thing I remember about him so much is i seen a lot of times he would go down to one knee when he's swinging and hit a ball that was kind of, you know, a sinker that was going out of the strike zone. He'd knock it out of the park, you know, and he hated his head being touched. They'd always take the helmet off and everybody touches his head and he starts swinging in the dugout and stuff like that. But he was a team leader. A lot of players, I do think on that team, he was the star of that team. You know, he was the star of those Ranger teams through those years. So congratulations. That's a great story. Well, I,
0: I, I liked the uh, Mauer. I talked about how I had him at number five, the top catchers I've seen in my lifetime. Um, so I'm really good with that, and Helton has a uh, pretty severe splits. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to penalize the guy for playing. It, it's not his fault that he played in cores. Um, I think he's certainly deserving, and uh, the other two guys who are kind of on the outside looking in, uh, Wagner, who I think will get in next year. I think next year's his last year of eligibility. And, uh, I just know there was, there was a few years where he was just so good. Um, and, I mean, he had a long career of greatness, but there was a couple years where he was certainly at the top and, uh, the other is Gary Sheffield. And I think there's just some issues that he's had with his personality and, Rush was steroids. I did I I should have I should have researched this, but anyway, he, he's kind of got the uh the Dick Allen uh oh, issue going on there. There's there's good some comparison. personal things there that is keeping him out, even though statistically he he
1: should be in.
0: He moved around
1: I, a lot too. Shetfield, it seems like he was on a lot of teams. And sometimes he was on teams that didn't, weren't very good at the time. And you, you really didn't see him all the time. But when you look back at all the statistics and, and when I know when the Cardinals played him, that was a guy you didn't want to face. He'd have that, he was intimidating. He had that bat waggling and uh, man, he, he, they talked about bat speed. That's one of those things when they talk about this guy's got great bat speed, you hear him, people compare, Oh, he's got Gary Shetfield, bat speed. It's Kind of like, you know, an adjective now as How yeah. Red, he was of uh, a hitter.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw this, uh, being I've got my City Connect for the White Sox. And I for those of you who listen, watch this from Chicago, I know that no Cub fan in Chicago is going to wear a White Sox stuff. I'm not a Cub fan in Chicago, I'm a Cub fan in Illinois <laughs> or, or in Missouri. Uh fan Illinois. I'm a Cub fan <laughs> in Missouri and St. Louis. So the rivalry between the Cubs and the White Sox was really nothing I ever faced. So that's why I love the White Sox, but hate the Cardinals. So <laughs> I don't hate them, just joking. But uh um uh, the White Sox, there's been rumblings that they've been talking about, uh Moving out to the suburbs, and then there's been rumblings that they've been in discussions with the mayor of Nashville. The latest news is that there's, I think it's 62 acres of undeveloped area, and it is right by the the downtown area. And I've seen the renderings. If they put the stadium there, there's enough room to put not just a stadium there, but to make a whole ballpark village type thing. And with that background being the Chicago skyline, it's beautiful. That is a moneymaker. That is something where newer generations of people who in Chicago grew up say, you know what, we can go to Wrigley or we can go to the White Sox field because they're both awesome atmospheres, awesome places to go. Right now, you don't find Cup fans saying, hey, let's go to uh, U.S. Cellular, or whatever they're calling it nowadays, uh, Old or New Comiskey. Let's go there because it's a very generic stadium and not a tremendously good part of town. But if they move this and kind of get that Southside Chicago blue-collar image shed a bit and say, hey, This is a family atmosphere you can bring your kids to. This is a place where you and your buddies can come. This is a place where you go to a game and then spend the afternoon in the amenities that we have around here. Then that's going to be good. and That would keep the White Sox in Chicago. So I'm hoping that goes through. Have you heard anything about that? Uh,
1: Just what you have. And uh, on pardon the interruption, they were talking about that. Uh, I believe that White Sox are one of those teams one of those anchors uh even though they haven't won as many World Series as some other teams uh just the history and you got to keep the White Sox I hope Nashville gets an expansion team down the line that would be nice but the White Sox have to stay in Chicago uh now as a outsider I went was in the Navy up at Great Lakes Illinois and I would come down take the train and then I would go to Wrigley but I'd also go to Kaminsky, old Kaminsky, and I've been to the new Kaminsky one time, and I love old Kaminsky. It was old, but all that history and everything. But Vince, I didn't know that wasn't. I I thought all that was Chicago downtown. I guess you're talking about like where all the, you know, where everything's happening. It, it seems more like
2: section. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Because I think of Wrigley too, like a neighborhood. Although it ain't a neighborhood anymore. At one time, it was all houses around it. Well, now it's bars, and they've got a whole thing, which is great. I think for the fans it's great. Don't get me wrong there, uh, but I remember just getting off the train and walking through neighborhoods, and all of a sudden I seen the lights for Wrigley, and I come around a corner and there it was. But I took the yeah. the train out to where Kaminsky was, and um, and you're right, the new one is a very generic stadium, and there's not much. They got those pinwheels still from the old days, but uh, you know, and they honor some of the old players with you know, some, uh, the poster kind of things hanging down. But other than that, it's, it's probably one of the besides Oakland kind of my least favorite stadium, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Well, that and Tampa, I, I would rather watch a game in Oakland than Tampa. <laughs>
2: so. Well, that is uh, true.
0: A few, uh, few <laughs> transactions, the Pirates signed Aroldis Chapman, um, thus taking him out of the uh, Cubs' plans, but I don't think they really ever had plans for him. Um, He actually had a pretty good bounce-back season. He did pretty good. Um, The peripherals are still there. He's still throwing hard striking out a lot of people, but he's walking a lot more people. He is showing some signs of deterioration, Um, but he's still an effective pitcher. Astros got the big fish. As far as, uh, closers go, they signed Josh Hader five years, 95 million. What about Uh, that
1: bullpen? That bullpen is, I'm telling you what, that's a three headed monster. It's going to be like the nasty boys coming at you.
0: It's almost like the Astros have said, okay, I see what you did in Los Angeles. Hold my beer. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, the Yankees, uh, they trade third baseman Tyler Nevin back to Baltimore for cash. Um, excuse me, the Tigers do. Um and uh I only bring that up because uh Tyler Nevin, yeah, you know, he's not hit much in the majors. I think he's got like a low two hundreds batting average. But I've always found it weird that in the in today's day and age, they still trade people for cash. You know, you're not he's not worth a player, but you know. Here's six hundred thousand. You want six hundred thousand? Yeah, we'll take it. So <laughs> uh, I just found that a little strange. Yankees signed Luke Weaver. Oh, all yeah. Right. Um,
1: uh, the Giants
0: want. signed Jordan Wicks, so he's uh he's doing good out there. Uh, the now, did, Angels, did you
1: did you hear that? Part of that is they he wants to try to be he, a starter.
0: Yeah, they're going to stretch him out to be a starter.
1: He tried so, that in St. Louis, and it just. Oh, it, it wasn't successful, but I wish him well. And uh, they got they got him. So let, let's see what happens.
0: I, I I hope he does well too. Um, seems to be a very likable guy. Yeah, his his statistics have not matched up to his stuff. They've been good, but as a closer, which he he has been, when you're throwing 105, you you think you would be. Yeah. would be lights out, you would be Mariano Rivera, but he's had some he's had some hiccups now and then as a closer. Um so maybe a starter is going to suit him better. Uh the Angels sign uh Robert Stevenson who was probably uh a better fit for the Cubs than uh Chapman Hater. Um but uh he's going to the Angels to that show. So um That's the only really major transactions.
1: So, what's going on in Cardinal land? Well, we've had a lot of news this week. It's been a busy week here in St. Louis land. Um, Adam Wainwright is going to do some commentating for Fox Sports. He did really well in the playoffs. I really, he's, first of all, he's knowledgeable, he's a likable guy. He's every interview I've ever heard with him. If you haven't had a chance to hear, Adam, the fans that are not in St. Louis, or don't hear him on KMOX, or uh, Jimmy the Cat Hayes always talks to him, loves him. He's so funny, and he's knowledgeable, and likable, and entertaining. So I think this is a perfect fit, and I wish him well, and this could be, we could look back at this and say, man, I forgot he was a pitcher. This guy's such a good commentator, because, you know, like a few people, athletes have come along, you, you know more as a, a announcer, so We'll see what happens there but I'm, I'm glad he's done it and i knew that guy would land on his feet somewhere vince yeah that's nice to see that uh matt carpenter is getting a contract to come back to the cardinals and try to make the team out of spring training it's a league minimal uh i love matt uh he's been working with matt holiday over the winter which is what uh, uh bellinger did last year seemed to have worked i'm not expecting bellinger type results but i would love to see matt make the team he's a nice guy um when he left the cardinals he didn't he, he didn't and he's a great uh team guy I, I, this is my just my theory on this but at one time he was a doubles hitter i think he has the all-time record for a season uh single season for a cardinal with, in doubles and when oscar traveris passed we needed some power from anywhere we could get it and i think they wanted they told him he needed to hit more home runs and I start. I think he started and everything after that and uh he did have a 30 home run season and he's moved to whatever position he played he learned to play second base was he a go glover no but he was a solid second baseman he played first base he played third whenever where you asked him to um so I think the, the having him be a power hitter kind of messed up his swing a little bit but the last three years with St. Louis oh it was a rough he didn't have much success, and we and we do love him. He went away, and for a while with the Yankees until, until he got hurt, he was on fire. And with the Padres, he got hurt, and uh, I don't think he was doing real well. So he's back with us. A lot of Cardinal fans I hear are not happy about this. Oh, look at the Cardinals, how cheap they are. They went and got this. It really didn't cost us anything. They're paying for most of his contract. It's a league minimum. He might. There's a lot of times you invite veterans to spring training, and they don't make the team. But sometimes you find a diamond in the rough and they make the team. Do I expect them to be, to make the team? Mm, Probably not, to be honest. What do you think about that, Vince? Have you heard a lot about that?
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot. And I've read the same comments you have that, you know, fans are kind of not excited about it.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. It's not like they went out and they got Bellinger or Otani or something like that. But they're not looking for a guy to go out there and take uh 550 at bats. Uh, you're looking strictly for, to see if this guy can still hit and have a professional hitter on the bench who can DH once or twice a week uh, against right handers, but you know, can also go in and pinch hit. And if he doesn't make it, he doesn't make it. I don't think it's a big deal. You're, you're not looking, this isn't, this wasn't the signing that's going to take you to the World Series. This is a piece you're trying to fill with a guy who could possibly fill it. So, what the heck? <laughs> I I always tell people it's not my money. I don't care. You know, it's not my money. If the Cardinals want to give him a league minimum contract and give him an opportunity to, I don't know, minor league contract or whatever, let him do it. What if he comes in and he takes 200 at-bats, hits about 260 and pops about 8 or 10 home runs? That's awesome. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. And you got the veteran presence on the bench, too.
1: Yeah, and we've heard some things, some rumblings about uh, leadership, cardinal leadership. You know, I don't have any access to the – you know, the locker room or anything like that. Um, uh, but it sounds like it's kind of uh Donovan, uh, and uh, Goldie, and maybe Carpenter could help you ne- for some reason. You never hear about Arenado and uh, and leadership, so I don't know what's going on there. It'd be nice to have him back on the team. He always took good at bats, he would foul balls off, and even if he struck out, sometimes he'd see seven, eight, nine pitches in a bat. Yeah, and nowadays it, it, when he's pitch counts. You know,
0: and if he does hit 260, that means his on base percentage is going to be north of 340 because he is going to take
1: his walks. He'll take it, yeah, he takes walks, which is great. So we'll see. I think that's a a, a good chance, and it'll be good to see him down at spring training. Let's see what happens. Um, you talked about uh money for a player. Well, the Cardinals had a guy that came up and back and forth to the minors, James Nail, he's a local kid. Uh, around the Cape Dorado area. I liked him. I went to a game. And his family all decked out with James Nail jerseys. And he was warming up in the bullpen and got actually in the game that day. And uh, But he is actually going over to uh, Korea, uh, to their league, and for cast considerations. And he's going to try to see what happens over there. A lot of players have went overseas and uh, found a new pitch found themselves miles michaelis is one of those type players and he came back and had a much better career so we wish him all the well james Nell, uh love that guy and i hope he does well and i'd love to see him again in a cardinal uniform um and the last thing that happened in cardinal land is uh tommy edmund he signed a two-year extension uh, onto his contract and he avoids arbitration because sometimes when the player and the team get into it and they're you know saying they don't want to give you as much as you want sometimes there's bad feelings so i love tommy edmund he's a fast guy he steals three years in a row he's been two over 30 and one i think 28 stolen bases so about 90 stolen bases in the last three years which is very good and uh utility guy uh plays everywhere so i'm glad he's back with the cardinals and uh and he's gonna be a big part of the team this year so that's it from cardinal land right there
0: well, there's not a whole lot going on in Cub News. Um, um we are still don't have a closer sign. And I, I kind of wish Max was on here because I'd like to bounce this off of him. Um last year Chapman closed. Um Chapman <laughs> Alzale closed. Um but he had he dealt with some injuries, so you know, and he was injured down the stretch when we completely fell apart, and the pitching just completely fell apart. Um, there is one guy that we had on our roster in September that has closer stuff, and that's Luke Little. So I'm starting to think this this sounds like something council. This sounds like great council. Hold off. We can always add a closer at the deadline if we need one, but this guy has closer stuff. I'm gonna throw him into the fire. That's what he does. And I'm curious if Luke Little is not going to be our closer. May not be named the closer. I know Ross, you know, sometimes Ross, I'm not naming a closer, you know, or man, I'm not naming a closer. Yeah. Um I remember uh when we were someone naming a closer and one of his pitching coaches said, Yeah, that guy's a closer and got mad. I don't remember the whole situation, but some managers <laughs> are funny about that.
3: Yeah. But
0: I'm just wondering if Luke Little's going to be our closer because uh the closers are going off the board pretty quick. Um, as I said, Stevenson's gone, uh, Hayter's gone, Chapman's gone. So who knows?
1: Would, would you be happy with that? Would you that uh that that young fella getting a shot at it?
0: I would be because I feel like, okay, as this division stands, I don't think we're the best team in this division unless we bring back Bellinger. Then I think, okay, we've got a pretty good shot at it. Um, But then again, I don't think, as it stands now, I think 85 wins would win it that's with nobody else being added to any rosters. Um, if we add Bellinger and, and shore up third base with, uh, Matt Chapman or someone, um, then I think, all right, then we're the team to beat. Um, even if we don't start with a closer and we start with Luke little, and if it doesn't work out with Luke little, we can make, we've got enough stuff in the, uh, we got enough commodities in the miners that we could make a trade and, and pick someone up. So I, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with starting the season with him there. Um, I, I, I do. I, there are a lot of teams that don't like to tie up closers long-term and there's a reason because that kind of stress on an arm, they blow out.
1: That's true.
0: And it's always a gamble. So, you know, spend your money elsewhere. Let's see if this guy can do it. If he can't, uh, come June, get aggressive, package uh, a few of these minor league talents and hit a team that's already 20 games under 500 who has a closer they could get rid of. So. Sad news in Cub land. Uh, Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg uh, has... Uh, metastatic uh, prostate cancer. And uh, that's that's the issue when it's already spreading. So it's not good news, um, but we keep him in our thoughts as uh, they go through the whole uh, cancer process, which is just as bad as the disease. So, uh, but that's really all that's going on in cub land. So uh, you know who who I think our new closer should be for Chicago.
1: You know what? If you can't get Mariana Rivera, you call in uh, our buddy, Jeremy Connor from the board Jeremy
0: Connor. Jeremy Connor is going to close for the Cubs this year.
1: <laughs> comes
0: a time in every man's life when he needs some advice on relationships. You need to listen to the podcast DMDR, which stands for Dating, Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage from my good friend, Jeremy Connor, the Dr. Phil of the Mood Hill. You can find DMDR on Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. Welcome to the panel. We have the four most beautiful faces you've ever seen in your life on a different podcast because right here, you've just got us. Oh. Uh, welcome back Phil how are you doing
2: uh it's a it's an honor to be here uh contributing to my favorite podcast guys oh
0: thanks for oh, thank you thank you, yeah, thank you. That.
3: yeah Ray how are you doing I'm a little under the weather but I'm doing good um uh, thank you for inviting me back it's always fun watching you guys and being on here all right
1: man this is a Hall of Fame roundtable right here tonight on Hall of
3: Fame Day. <laughs> Okay, Hall of Fame:
0: Adrian Beltre, Joe Mauer, Todd Helton, the newest members to go with Jim Leland. Are we pleased with this?
3: Yes, uh,
1: I am. I, I, uh, I, this is kind of what I picked. I had all these statistics and everything, and this is. I thought Gary Sheffield, being his last year, might get in there but he didn't he'll have to go to the veterans committee to get in but uh I picked I did pick Helton I I had three going this year and three made it so I I I guessed right
2: I was thrilled to see Beltray get in and also Helton I am a little I, I didn't have Joe Maurer as a first ballot hall of famer And I am very frustrated that Matt holiday didn't get more support than he did. Yeah. He's going to fall
1: off the ballot, isn't he?
2: Yes. He uh, only got four votes, so he will not be allowed on the ballot next year. And so one of the stats that I like to use when I consider whether or not a guy should be in the hall of fame is a stat, called hall of fame monitor that was created by bill james and it is a staff that is essentially designed to measure a player's prestige because what it does is it awards points for achievements and accomplishments and awards it's like if you win rookie of the year you get one point a gold glove is good for two points an all-star game selection is good for three points and so on and so forth um, MVP signing award, even being the starting pitcher of a World Series game, all has points associated with it, and I feel like that's a really good uh, way to measure just how many times and how many ways a guy has found himself on top of the baseball world. And you know, it's the Hall of Fame, right? Not just the Hall of very good or the hall of statistics and the way the number is set up. If your hall of fame monitor is a hundred or greater, it is likely that you will eventually be inducted into the hall of fame. And if your hall of fame monitor number is less than a hundred, it is likely that you will eventually be forgotten about (laughs) by the baseball world writ large. And it, just to give you an example, um, Albert Pujols is around twelfth all time in Hall of Fame monitor. His Hall of Fame monitor score is three hundred and thirty-four, which means he's more than triple your, you know, likely Hall of Famer. No brainer. Um, yeah, Scott Rowland, who got in recently his Hall of Fame monitor was 99, you know, so right there on the cusp. And I think the awards and accomplishments that he had with Philly from being rookie of the year on up to the awards and accomplishments that he had with St. Louis and being part of the MV3 all added up to push him uh, across the finish line and into the Hall of Fame. And Joe Mowers Hall of Fame monitor is 92 and for me you know the Hall of Fame monitor doesn't measure whether or not a guy is deserving of going into the Hall of Fame it just measures how many accomplishments he's had that might typically be ascribed to a Hall of Fame resume and so for him to only get or for him to get first ballot into the hall with a monitor score of 92. I mean, Jim Emmons had a Hall of Fame monitor of 89 and didn't make it through his first ballot. Jorge Posada, who is also a catcher and who I personally think should be in the Hall of Fame, has a Hall of Fame monitor of 98, so six points more than Maurer, and he didn't make it through his first year of eligibility either. And so I expected Maurer to get a lot of support. And I did not expect him to get first year o- over the line kind of support. You know, he's now the 60th player in Major League Baseball history to go into the Hall of Fame on his first year of eligibility. And I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think I would put him in the hall over. Some of the guys who will get to come back next year, um, and maybe even some of the guys who won't get to.
0: Well, concerning Maurer, um, his his point score could have been higher if he was not catching at the same time Rodriguez was catching. That blocked him from some gold gloves. Sure. Um, He's also a catcher who's won three batting titles to go along with the stellar defense. Um, And I I appreciate what you're saying and I get what you're saying. Um, And I'm I was surprised he got in on the first ballot. But I, I also read where statistically he's the seventh best catcher statistically in the history of baseball. And there are a lot of catchers underneath him who are in the hall. So when you break it down by position, maybe it's a little more impressive. Um, I, as I said before, we started rolling here. I can't believe, what did Billy Wagner do wrong? I don't think anything. And I know for a good period of time in the ninth inning, who would I want to come in to the game but Billy Wagner? was he was that dominant and someone threw out the name of trevor hoffman before we started rolling here trevor hoffman's hall of fame worthy and he was a great closer um but i don't remember any real defining moments he pitched a lot for a mediocre team uh i'm just i would rather have wagner than hoffman Now, that brings me to this point, Todd Helton. Todd Helton, if you take his away stats, he's nowhere near Hall of Fame. Nowhere near. He is below Steve Garvey, you know, as far as his away stats. So he's one player who really, really, really benefited from cores. So I'm not saying Helton shouldn't have made it in there. I was surprised that Helton made it in, but Wagner didn't. And as far as Gary Sheffield goes, there's just so much baggage there from when he was young and he was intentionally throwing the ball into the stands from third base cuz he wanted out of Milwaukee and he admitted that to the to the brush with steroids and stuff like that. And he wasn't the most nice guy all the time, so and being this was his last shot, I thought maybe he would get in, but he didn't but I understand why he didn't because there are human beings still voting and human beings remember some of this stuff. So there's my two cents on the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm not going to argue with anything. I...
1: No, I never heard of the statistic that you came, you had a uh, while well ago about the Bill James one. <laughs> I just learned about the Jaws one. And uh, of course, war has been around for a while too. I'm one of those, I'm the oldest person here. I go batting it. I test You know, uh, bat average, RBIs, home runs. And I know baseball's kind of the statisticians are getting away from that kind of thing. But I look at that. And another thing, we were talking, you talked about Posada, who I think could very well be. You know, there's no right and wrong answer. But sometimes it helps if you play in the same place for a long time, you kind of get that legendary status. And also, if you're the best player on your team, like uh, Joe Maurer was probably the most identified. Star on the Twins during his years there, uh, Posada, who, who's a very good player, but you know you had Jeter, who has cast a huge shadow, and A. Rod and Bernie Williams, and you know who you know who's better, Bernie Williams, Posada. They're both very very good players. Heck of some heck, and then of course the greatest reliever that ever lived played for the Yankees yeah. at that time too. So he kind, of, I think that kind of hurts him in a way a little bit. Will he get eventually? I think there's a pretty good chance right there. Um, yeah, I don't think Wagner did anything wrong, to be honest with you. And he's got statistics of war and that that Jaws, better than some Hall of Famers that's in there. Uh, I think he ranks uh, seventh, sixth, seventh. And all the guys ahead of him are Hall of Famers. And then the Jaws numbers is equal to the Hoffman one. So, you know, I could see him getting in. Doesn't he have one more year of eligibility? I think he has yes. more- one more year. And I think he's so close. I think he missed by five votes. Mm -hmm. So maybe next year. And, uh, the only slam dunk, like I thought Beltran was a slam dunk. Like that guy, no way. He's probably the third greatest overall third baseman that ever lived. I think you go Eddie Matthews second. And of course, Mike Schmidt first in my book anyway. But, uh, I think next year Wagner's got a real good shot of of making it. and, And, uh, Anyway, it's been great. And Ichiro's coming on to the, uh, the ballot next year, and I think he's the only slam You think on. he'll make it? Yeah. I, think <laughs> you, I think a pretty good chance. Ray, what did you think about the ballot this year and the the election and all that?
3: Well, I wrote down a list of who I thought was going to go, and in the order, I wrote uh, Beltre, Helton, Wagner, which I was surprised he didn't make it, honestly.
1: <laughs> then Mauer, exactly.
3: and then... Uh, I also just added Sheffield, Beltran, and uh, Chase Utley in there because I thought those guys are real close or should be in. They're they're right there, so right that's there. the the six or seven that I came up with. I, I knew Beltran was, you know, probably for sure. I knew Helton was probably for sure. I didn't realize the way stats as uh, Vince were saying were not as good as they were, but they're uh, good. I feel definitely help that man out for sure. So sometimes yep, if pick- I
0: the stats are good they're like yeah. 287 batting average uh there's a dip in power of course leaving cores but um his course numbers are so much better uh, It's sure. it's like uh like larry walker um uh, they're they're a little closer with with some guys helton's just seem to be
3: yeah i, I don't have helton's like lifetime but it's over 300 and it's 316 yeah, i think 316 318 something like uh, that it's yeah. like 340 at cores <laughs> It <laughs> probably is. He, he was he was a a terror there for sure. But yeah, yeah that was... that's that's the list I wrote, and uh, I I understand the Sheffield thing about his behaviors, and then of course that stint of steroid stuff. I think I don't think he was actually involved with the steroids. He just had to testify, right? There was some kind of brush.
0: I I don't know if he was actually
3: in the Mitchell report or he wasn't bonds. I don't don't think he ever tested positive. I think he had to testify at court or something about the other players, of course. So the, the steroid thing, I, I think we can throw that out, but the other Mm -hmm. stuff, you know, I mean, I get it. There's a little brush with it there, but if he, if he never tested positive, then, you know, that's.
1: Um, I have a question for everybody. Um, four guys in the hall of fame that's quite a big group usually we have maybe three one sometimes none do you are you guys more just to get in the big leagues is a major feat to play 10 years i think 10 years to me is like you got to play more in 10 years most guys don't play 10 years then to be a really good player the it's a little group but to be in the Hall of Fame, that's just such a small group. And it, we probably all have somebody that made the Hall of Fame that we're like, ah, I don't know about that guy. But are y'all more of a fan of a small Hall of Fame or, you know, bigger Hall of Fame? Like, let's let, let some of these more uh, other guys get in. How, how do you feel about that? Ray, what do you think about the a big, you like a big Hall of Fame where you get more like, you know. Uh, sure, sure.
3: Like you mentioned uh, about
1: eight, nine guys there. Uh Sure.
3: Like I, I, I would I would be in favor of a bigger Hall of Fame. It's uh these guys, you know, some of them play very, very well and just never get that chance to get in there. And like you said, you know, there's some people that we think should be in there that are not there and that kind of stuff. I mean, there's, why not let them in? You know, there's if they're right there on the cusp and like. uh, I, Who's the other guest? I'm sorry, I forgot your name already.
1: Phil. Oh, Phil. 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 <laughs> Yeah. Bill
3: has that monitor point system or whatever. If you got some guys that are at 99 98, they should be in there in my opinion. That's so close.
1: That's right there, man. Right there.
3: That and like like he also said, you know, if they don't make it in, they're going to be forgotten, you know, and I I I would rather remember them honestly. <laughs>
1: Phil, what do you think about that, about a smaller Hall of Fame where it's just like 1% of 1% or a little bit bigger Hall of Fame?
2: So I absolutely favor a larger Hall of Fame, not just because it allows us to honor more players, but because I believe the distinction of being an enshrined Hall of Famer carries some responsibilities with it that a lot of guys who were talented enough to get there in the first place are also willing to take up once they're there. And I mean, we, we all know a lot of these guys do a lot of charity work and a lot of promoting the game that none of us ever hear about you know they don't make a big deal out of it and and so neither does the media that said i think more hall of famers would result in more charity work and more wonderful things being done in the name of baseball and on behalf of baseball that are worth celebrating and you know you mentioned not many players make it to 10 years of service time I I have been glued to baseball as a hobby for so long I never suggested anybody buy Albert Pujols cards until he had his 10 years of service time in the list of major league baseball players who have appeared in multiple all-star games and not gotten to 10 years of service time is eye-popping and part of the reason for that is that historically if a guy makes a major league appearance uh, in any capacity pitches one inning pinch runs for a guy gets a pinch hit whatever the cba has that player lined up to collect health insurance or, or to be to have major league baseball's health insurance for the rest of their lives
1: Oh, really? What just... have... Wow.
2: Yes. But you have to get your 10 years of service time in to be able to get a pension. Uh, and you would be amazed at how many guys get seven or eight or nine years of service time in, and then all of a sudden can't catch on with the team, can't get a contract anywhere, and therefore are stopped from getting a pension. And then you have other guys. I don't know if anybody remembers the name Mike Greenwell, but he oh, was yeah. a Boston, Red Sox outfielder, a very talented guy who has since admitted that he hated almost everything about being a major leaguer. He hated the travel. He hated the uh, dealing with the fans and the media. I mean, he just, he loved baseball, but he hated being a baseball player. And he actually retired as soon as he had like 10 years and one day of service time and was guaranteed to get his pension. Uh, For me, I think we should be promoting the Hall of Fame by promoting people into it, not by excluding people from it. You know, in in my mind and in my heart, the the small hall guys that only want Albert Pujols and Derek Jeter and, you know, uh, those kinds of guys into the hall and they want to keep everybody else out are missing an opportunity to promote the game and promote the people who keep the game fun and exciting and and relevant and that's why i am a large hall of fame guy
3: that's cool
0: i had never thought about it from that aspect as a uh uh, promotional aspect of the good that can be done with the game the good that is done with the game uh charitable work and stuff like that because you say uh BB Richards is going to be a such and such. Okay. Big deal. But when you say, uh, so-and-so, uh, Joe Maurer or Todd Helton now, you know, all of famer, that's a draw and you're going to raise more money. So, um, I like your perspective on that. Thank you. I, I, I mean, all want- I want a small hall of fame. I just want three people in there. All Cubs, Banks, Jenkins, <laughs> Williams. That's it.
1: That's it. That's all there is. Now, I, I'm the oddball here. I like a small Hall of Fame because whoever you are that go in, you're going to be mentioned with Ruth and Aaron, DiMaggio and Williams, and um, I, I like St. Louis and the Chicago and all these teams have their team Hall of Fame. And you know we got Jason Isringhausen in there, and I love Jason Isringhausen. I, I you know, nothing against him, but I would not put him in the in the regular Hall. But I will tell you this: I went to uh, Texas Rangers Stadium in 2020, and they were actively promoting Beltran, who didn't really need them to, you know, (laughs) talk about how great he is, but they had Beltran, everything up there, because it meant so much to them, because now one of theirs was going into the hall, and he was going to, I'm sure he's going to go in as a Ranger, you know, and uh, this is now great for the Rockies. I don't know if anyone has played their whole career there and went in, So now they have one of their own, and he will be like their Ernie Banks and Stan Musial. This is our guy. And I will say one thing about Halton, that this stat hadn't been mentioned, but I I like this stat. In a day where people strike out so much, Todd Helton, over the course of his career, uh, walked 160 more times than he struck out. You don't really hear about that anymore. I mean, that's the old way with the Yogi Berra's and the Dimaggio's and things like that. So that was a stat I, as I was going through everything, that kind of surprised me. I didn't know. Oh my gosh, that's it was so hard to strike that guy out. So anyway, I, there's a little uh, little love for Todd Helton there.
0: Yeah, he was always <laughs> a handful for the Cubs, no matter where they played him.
1: If so, we played him Colorado, though, it was much rougher.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well phil you brought up something that kind of segues when with your mike greenwell statement into something i did want to bring up uh anthony rendon uh decided that it would be a good idea when asked what he would change about baseball to say well we need to shorten it from a guy who and i this forced me to do a dive into anthony rendon doesn't like to play baseball these Injury things—that's kind of consistent with his personality. There are people who are not baseball people who play baseball just because they could do that very well. And it seems to me that Rendon, although I know a lot of players have that sentiment, it's—it's it's a very long season. I understand that there are times when you have a twenty-game stretch and you don't get a day off, and people think, "Well, you only work three hours a day." No, you don't. If you're a great Major League Baseball player, you are working 12, 14 hours a day at it. You know, so it's it's a very difficult life. Um, But when you've had the reputation he's had since signing that monstrous contract, you got to read the room a little bit and say maybe this statement shouldn't come out of my mouth. Um, But anyway, he does bring something up. Do you think that the baseball season would benefit if they shorten it?
3: anybody can jump in i see i don't think so honestly uh i like it the way it is i i don't like the way the playoffs are done that's the only only gripe i guess i have about it anymore because the playoffs I, home field advantage should you know i was telling jj about this i guess a month or two ago i said people have home field advantage all the games should be played at their home. You know they won. You know they won the division. They won ever. They shouldn't have to go anywhere and play. That's just my outlook on it. But the, the the length of the season is fine. I I could watch it all year long. Honestly, they could make it. Uh, you know, twelve months out of the year, and I'll, I'll watch it and listen to it on the radio every day.
2: I would also. Uh, I I am absolutely against shortening. regular season um and uh, it's easy for me to say because i'm not trying to do the job every day but i would actually be in favor of increasing the number of games played and i i don't think you have to change the calendar to make that happen i think what you have to do is allow teams to have a slightly larger roster because I am not old enough to remember when double headers were regularly scheduled.
3: And I am, yeah, with those
2: well. And you know, I did grow up here, and Ernie Banks is famous for saying, Hey, let's play too. you know, he, he and. Even in my own life, I mean, if I'm dressed, ready to go at work, I'm ready to work and I want to work all day long. And I know that there have to be baseball players who feel that same way and who have that same kind of passion for what they do. And it's unfortunate that a guy of Rendon's stature is apparently not one of them. Um, And I actually, I heard a woman who was covering the Nationals at the time that Rendon got that contract from the Angels, who said nobody who was in the back of the room with the Nationals could believe Rendon got that kind of a deal from Artie Moreno. Um, because they all knew that Rendon wasn't 100% bought in on being the best that he could be. Rendon just happened to be talented enough to shine when compared to most of his peers. But in the same way every pro athlete's body breaks down, For a lot of pro athletes, the mental side is what goes first, more than their bodies. And she indicated that a lot of people covering the Nationals at that time thought Rendon was already over the hill mentally, even if he wasn't yet physically. And so she couldn't believe that he got that kind of a contract. And I'll tell you, Artie Moreno is... I think leading the league in bad contracts <laughs> I mean, uh, and or would be had C.J. Wilson and Josh Hamilton not scared him so bad that it, he didn't give out large contracts for the next decade until it was pay Trout or lose him. And even then, he paid Trout but wouldn't pay Otani. So I, I don't have the most respect for the way the Angels run their club. Um, and uh, at Thank the same you. time, I have so much respect for everybody who's playing the game because they want to be playing the game, which for the record is most of the guys who are out there because most of them haven't made any money yet.
0: I think that – I. Well, one thing I want to address, J.J. and I, we do remember when doubleheaders were scheduled. And it was the coolest thing because there was, I think at the time, there was only like a 20-minute break in between games. And then the second lineup was always interesting because it was your guys who weren't getting much playing time. I remember watching a Cup Cardinal doubleheader in the 70s and the second game, Luke Brock batted cleanup you would get some crazy <laughs> fun lineups and uh, like disco demolition night for the White Sox that happened in between doubleheader games and stuff like that. It used to be really cool that they would schedule these. And now because of money, you know, we, if, if there is, they do have to do a doubleheader because of a rain out, they try to make it a day night or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I could go with, I, 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 I don't know if i want to lengthen but i don't want it short i can keep the 162 schedule but i wish they would sprinkle in a few double headers scheduled double headers to give players more time off to recuperate and on top of that i'm such a baseball fan i will watch anything if the cubs aren't on i will go ahead and watch uh, the blue jays play the rays you know that's just the way i am so i i would have no problem scheduling Double headers and getting that that fun back into game. My friend Phil, he went to a double header when we were growing up. He was about twelve years old, and he sat in the bleachers and he said, "Oh, it's nothing like TV." He said, "By about the fourth inning of the second game, I was ready to go home." <laughs> Hot, sweaty. Of course, the bleachers were fun then.
1: I uh, I'm gonna put my two cents in there. I love baseball. It's perfect. 162 it used to be 154 but we have expansion it was set up so you could play every team in your division so many times and the other you know the east and west and you play them so many times and now they've got three divisions and now there's interleague play but let's keep it at 162 because there's some sort of like in the nfl it was i remember 12 games now it's set about 17 and mm-hmm. yeah. now everybody's breaking every record that ever existed. It's like, oh, who's that Terry Bradshaw or Dan Fouts? These guys are just shattering these records. 162 is perfect because it's life. Spring comes, the flowers, the grass comes out, the ivy's kind of gray from the winter. And all of a sudden we hit the summer, the midsummer classic, the ivy's going on. We got the thing. We got the pennant races down the stretch and everything kind of goes to sleep and goes to bed and in september and we got the playoffs in october and then we we go away for the winter and i just think that's perfect but the players i love the most are the ones that true like if you did anything for a job i think you might get tired of it you wouldn't have that same maybe love for it but there are players that i just can tell they this is what they do central page said i never had a job i just played baseball and i love that (laughs) phrase i love that phrase pete rose for he couldn't help himself but man that guy loved to play i mean in an exhibition game he's running over the catcher he's diving like superman in the third base i think bryce harper's one of those types of players i think he truly just loves to play the game <clears throat> we've had guys on our team and i'll mention jd drew he never hurried off the dl seems like when he went on the D.L., we didn't see him for a long time then you got yadier molina who Lost the testicle. He's back in three and a half weeks. I mean, God, you got to love those guys that get out there and play. So to answer your question, Vince, I think it's perfect the way it is right now. Sorry I went a, long, a little long-winded there.
0: No, that's okay. I think uh, I think what we have safely concluded was that Anthony Rendon should maybe keep his mouth shut. So. Very good.
1: <laughs> Very good. Hey, I, I, I got a question for everybody. We're about a month away from spring training, and I thought we'd have some Cub fans here too. Uh, we got Vince, of course, the the alpha Cub fan. But what do we need? What is the big thing we need to do? We were seventy one and ninety one last year as Cardinal fan, uh, as Cardinals. What's the one thing you think we need that needs to happen to get us at least up to five hundred? What's What's something that we need to take care of this year that needs to go differently? You guys have any ideas on that? What What's the one big thing? Thing we need to do to, to to get there. I'll chime in. I if if I was the GM
0: for the Cardinals, I would uh, make a push for uh, another pitcher. Fine. Um, it, you got you got Sunny Gray, who's a one, and then you got guys who are like three, four, fives. There, there's there's quite a drop off. Um. So I would, I would take a serious look at bringing back Montgomery, um, maybe ponying up the money for Snell, um, even though I can't stand a watching pitch because I don't like the walks. But if, if you're, you know, from an outsider looking in, I'm not going to get too hyped up about the Cardinals unless they get another front of the rotation pitcher. And then I'm going to like, OK, yeah, they're they're back in the driver's seat for the division. All right. Ray, you, got know, any, you
3: got any ideas I'm on, on that? I'm on, I'm on the same page as Vince there. We need one more pitcher at least and maybe even some middle relief pitching. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do that before the season starts. They, I think they're just going to test this, what they've got. And if it, you know, the first month or two it works out, then they're going to go after somebody. You know i I there would hope they'd line. get I hope they'd get Snell or you know I am not a big fan of Dylan Cease and I think the White Sox went way too much for him, but you know he's probably the next best available. Um, I would even shoot for some more middle middle relief though, besides a starter. Um, I'm kind of like with Vince on that. We have our our ace and then we have you know some guys that are right there three four and maybe even a five. Um, I. I hope it works out, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to. And I'm, it's okay. You know, We have Cardinals have down seasons, and I understand that. And we're in the process of, you know, coming off a real bad season. So there's only one way to go, technically, and that's up. So um, I think one of the pieces with Sonny Gray was there. Lance Lynn coming back might be okay. Um, if he has a rebound year and doesn't give up any home runs, we'll take him. He'll give us some home runs, yeah.
2: So I am a third-generation, lifelong, diehard Cardinals fan. And for the last 10 years, I've been blessed to be able to go to about 70 home games a season. And this offseason has been the quintessential Cardinals off season because the Cardinals have proven time and again that they are year in and year out two things, greedy and cheap. And, you know, they, it's my understanding, Sonny Gray grew up as a Cardinals fan and turned down more money from at least one other team to sign his three year $75 million deal with the Cardinals, which I think they got a heck of a hometown discount there. Uh, But it's my understanding that he turned down more money from the Giants and told them, hey, uh, your taxes are so much higher in California than they are in Missouri. It's not really more money. So I'm going to pitch for the team I grew up rooting for. I understand Kyle Gibson pitched more innings than any other Orioles pitcher last year, but I have not forgotten that he was not their best pitcher last year. (laughs) He was their third or fourth most weeks and most times through the rotation. Lance Lynn, I am shocked we brought him back. I thought he was in Mo's doghouse forever, and we've watched Moselec hold grudges. But I also thought Lynn looked pretty good in the first half last year and hurt in the second half last year, and then they traded him to the Dodgers, and down the stretch he looked even worse. And then in the playoffs was the one Dodger starter that just got blown up. So
0: that I am... Too.
2: Oh, true. Yeah, but I am of idiot, I my that this pitching staff holds up because what the Cardinals did was they got three sweetheart deals from three good old boys who want to be here. And that's a a different way from how some of the better-heeled teams have approached this offseason. And and frankly, one of the reasons the Cardinals became the Cardinals was because they were eons ahead of most other major league clubs in terms of radio revenue. You know, at one time, the Yankees had the Northeast Quadrant of the United States and were the darlings of baseball, but the Cardinals had the Southeast the Southwest and the Northwest, and were the darlings of everybody that didn't want to see the Yankees win uh, year in and year out. And, you know, KMOX is what catapulted the Cardinals from relative obscurity for the first 40 years, where they were the laughing stock of the National League, into being able to put together the gas house gang and win World Series titles left and right. And what we are seeing now is that the teams that have their own television stations are making the same kind of jumps ahead of the teams that don't. You know, what allows the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Braves to keep winning and keep spending is they all have their own television networks. They have their own TV stations promoting their product. 24 365 and the Cardinals are one of the five or six teams that it looks like are hurt the worst by the whole Fox Sports slash Bally's kerfuffle bankruptcy I don't even understand exactly what's going on I just understand that we didn't get to see Cardinal spring training games on TV last year because this was starting to become a thing and I don't know that we're going to get to watch the Cardinals on TV at all this year because it's still being worked out end quote. And so while I don't know how they would do it, the Cardinals are going to have to figure out how to do in television, what the Cardinals figured out how to do in radio 80 years ago. If they're going to really want to start competing for world championships again
1: well my thought on all this is i hear a lot of people saying we overestimate our talent in the minors like you know the cardinals i say that i i hear from Ben's all, I it's like i put my head to the, the the seashell you estimate overestimate your talent but i think we've decided we've this is a big pivotal year we've decided we're keeping these guys there's been a lot of interest for Dylan Carlson, maybe after last year it was a little less, and Gorman at second base. And, you know, these guys that we've had for about three or four years, they really need to step up and see some growth from them if we're going to compete with the Brewers and the Cubs and, well, the Reds and the Pirates, too. I think they're getting better. This, this division's up for grabs. And, you know, we know what we're going to get. Uh, two years ago, we really leaned on Goldie and Arenado. Last year, they didn't have those MVP type years. They had good years, but not MVP years. And it really showed. And I mean, uh, we did move O'Neill and uh, Richie Incognito. Or No, that's the lineman. The guy, the guy, really the guy sure? was Richie. Uh, they, they all filled him with the goggles. We moved those guys and we got some some talent for them, but we've pretty much hung on to everybody. Uh, Kisner, we just let him walk. I thought we at least could trade him. The, uh, Ivan Herrera is up now. I'm, I'm big on him. Um, I, I think this is a big pivotal year to see if this young talent, of course, Win and Walker, but they're so young. I mean, they're just, they're babies. They're just starting out. But I think that's going to be the deciding factor. If this young talent can just stay, you know, make some improvements, strike out a little lust, make a little more contact, um, you know, be healthy, be available. I think we could, I'm not saying playoffs, but I'm saying we could make a run at it this year, you know? But it's been, like you said, uh, Phil, it's been a while since we've been a team that was even in consideration for a world championship. I'd say, you know, maybe the early 2000 you know, like right there, 13, 14, 12, right in there. Ever since then, we've just been good, but oh, just okay kind of thing, you know? So th- this is the big pivotal thing for me is the young players making that next step. And that that's my answer to that question. What well, do you think about the Cubs? Gonna, what, what's the Cubs? What's new? About big the Cubs.
0: Cubs. This is what I if 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 the season started right now and I had to put money down, I'd put it on the Reds. That's that's where I'm at right now.
1: Young pitching. They got um, I, some young pitching.
0: If we can't get another bat in the lineup um and if we can't add something to the bullpen um yeah uh but as it stands now i i would say the reds with 85 wins that that, 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 that would be my best guess right now. okay but we do have to, we do have to wrap this up on that sad note of me trying to talk about the cubs so <laughs> uh thank you guys so, thanks a lot for coming on here appreciate it so
2: Thanks so much for having me, fellas. It's been we great. Got,
0: we got like three and a half weeks, three weeks spring training.
2: Yeah, it's coming.
1: It's
0: coming. So the 15th we, of we,
1: March, I think.
0: We are getting happier by the day. <laughs> got to admit mm-hmm. it. All right. Gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate it.
3: JJ, Vince, thanks for having me on again.
2: Thanks, Thank Vince. you. Always a pleasure, fellas. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Appreciate All right, it. Hey, I do want to thank our panel. Uh, Great Great job. job. uh, Ray Hartman. Great job. uh... (laughs) Phil. Ray and Phil. Phil. Phil Brooks. Great job, you guys. I didn't forget you, Phil. I just kind of had a brain cramp because I'm pushing 60 here. But anyway, uh, great job, guys. Uh, um, A lot of insight onto the Hall of Fame that I hadn't even thought about. So. So I I love having the panels because oh, yeah get I do too smarter people than us and so they <laughs> well, that's not they hard. Instead of say listen you dumb hillbillies <laughs> this is how it should go. So, all right, um, what are you opening?
1: Well, before I do that, I got a couple things to show. Um, I Vince, I had this as a kid, and uh, for it's a long story. It, I lost it. But I found something. I found it. This is a, a ruler, the 1967 Cardinals, and it's got all the the whole roster on here. And when you turn it around to the other back, uh, oh, sorry, there you go. It's got the entire World Series champion team on there. I don't. I didn't even know this existed. I got this when I was like in seventh grade, and somehow it disappeared around my eleventh grade year. And I found this, and it's in real good shape. You can see, you know, they're not faded. That's usually what happens. The players fade and all that. So anyway, I got that. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay.
0: Time out. Yes. I think of all the things that you've ever shown me. That's the coolest thing I've seen. Cause I all haven't right. seen it before.
1: Yeah. I, I've never seen this. And uh, Jerry Buczek, Um Let's see. Red Shanings, of course, is the first one here. Cause he was the coach at the time. 67 is the year that uh, the Cardinals beat the uh, Red Sox in the world series. And, Bob Gibson, you know, was being Bob Gibson, but, um, I mean, there is so many, uh, Orlando Cepeda, Kurt Flood, Steve Carlton, uh, Mike Shannon's on here. Oh, it's, it's just, it's pretty cool. Lou Brock, uh, Roger Maris, Julian Javier. That's one of my favorite names to say, but that's, that's pretty cool right there. So anyway, I've had that and, uh, I'll tell you what, the stuff from the 60s is starting to go up in price because it's getting rarer and rarer, especially to fight it in good shape. Uh, I can't, I'm a postcard guy, and I got a Whitey Herzog. And I love Whitey, but he's get, he's over 90 years old now. So I've kind of been on a Whitey Herzog uh, binge right now, collecting all my Whitey stuff. That's a postcard of Whitey signed right there. So got that. And Vince, I worked. Oh, by the way, uh, the Grizzlies have a St. Louis Browns Day. We've mentioned this, and they've had six of them. And, and they auction off, the players wear brown uniforms, so they, they have a, an auction, and all the money goes to charity, so you can get a Browns jersey. Uh, it's All kinds of Browns things around the ballpark. And one of the big things that day is a giveaway, and I have all the Brownie ball heads except the one this year, but now I have them all. Marty Marion, right there, wearing, and he's got the Brownie on the sleeve. And I know a lot of people think, "What the heck, JJ? What's the heck's with the bobbleheads?" I love the bobbleheads. All right, bobblehead <laughs> power. Well, I got Marty Marion. And this was my project over the weekend, and I don't really want to move it because it might flip. But I got, I made a Lee Smith shadow box. I got the autographed jersey, Vince, in honor of his Cub career. I have the blue over here, and all the Cub cards. I got twenty-two of them, and then I've got the Cardinal ones. I got three autograph cardinal cards here some stickers a bobblehead they had a lee smith day at the ballpark an eight by ten that's autographed and right there at the top i've got a uh, an autographed ball a lee smith he went in the hall of fame it's hall of fame day here on the podcast and he went in as a cub and as so he played more years with the cubs but lee smith was one of my all-time favorites he'd come lumber and he's a big i don't know six foot six 250 pound man from louisiana and he'd lumber in, in that bullpen and just throw bb's at you and uh man so anyway uh, i just love that thing right there so i just want to share that that's so, awesome thank you thank you yeah I, pre- I appreciate that so anyway
0: honestly when you first sent it to me i thought why do you make a shadow box with lonnie smith <laughs> that's that was the first thing that came to my mind
1: right yeah I don't know if you knew this, but uh, he was a very good basketball player, but he had yes. bad, bad knees. And that's why he chose baseball and pitching over basketball. So that's pretty darn cool. Lee Smith, man. It's an honor meeting him. You know, all of our heroes, Vince, are getting older. And if you don't take the chance to meet these guys when you can, he was up in St. Louis at the big, uh, they had a yearly convention. And he was there. And I thought, who am I going to get? There was Jim Cott. I love Jim Cott. There's a lot of them, but I said I'm gonna focus on Lee Smith, you know. And that that's great for the Cub Cardinal, one beer, one cardinal, one cub broadcast, because we uh he he represents both of our teams right there. Well, Vince getting to the cards. I have the tops this year series two right there. And there's Judge on the front. And this year it's gonna be fun watching him and Soto back to back in that lineup, man. And they got that uh uh the other guy too god i can't think of his name right now the one that got from the marlins um uh... oh shoot the guy who's always hurt they're gonna have it there i got three studs in that lineup now
0: why am i brain crafting too
1: yeah i'm having one of those days man the day i'm telling you what, with wintertime time it seems like i just want to hibernate so uh, anyway, so here is my series two. Oh, they have an all-star. I like this. This is from an old style of card. That's the all-star of Justin Verlander. So there's Justin right there, living the high life, man. Future Hall what of Famer, right? Yeah. Oh man, the car collection, living it up. Alec Burleson. Alec Burleson, I think he's one of the guys that are gonna to have to step up this year. We were talking about the young guys coming through, did great in the minors, but he could be a big impact guy this year. So we'll see. Um oh the all the MLB stars, and this is Jose Altuve, the little man with the big bat, right there. there. You go. Fantastic player. And I tell you what, those Astros and Braves. Are not going to hand over that trophy to the Dodgers this year. That's going to be some good series there right there. Uh a guy, maybe on the fast track, had a nice career, Manny Machado. Baltimore Padre Dodger. Right there. Uh oh. We have a we have a cub in the house. Um <laughs> Brad Boxberger.
0: Brad Boxberger, yes.
1: Yeah, right there. And that's my favorite Cub jerseys, those blues. Those blues jerseys right there. That's very cool. Those are my favorites. Uh, do n- All right. I don't know about this guy. Freddie Tard- Tardnick from the A's. Yes. The-
0: I did not watch much minor league baseball last year, so.
1: <laughs> that's right. The AAA Oakland A's. Um. Oh, yes. I remember this guy from the uh, World Series, Uh, Gerardo Perdomo. Yeah. Right there. Right there. I'll tell you what. Looks like they're building something good down there. Oh, ex-Cardinal. He's with the Mets this year. Harrison Bader right there. So uh, I'm glad he's with the team this year. Wish him well. Uh, Ex-Cardinal. And we are – one of our not good moves, Garcia from the Texas Rangers. That guy has been a stud. And uh, Excuse me. Uh, Martin Maldonado. What was he a catcher? I think he signed on with somebody else this year, didn't
0: he? Yeah, think, uh, he was on. Last week, he was on my notes. He hooked up with someone else. So.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I wish him well. He might get more playing time somewhere else. Uh, Lourdes Gariallo Jr. I can't say these names. Another Diamondback player. Yep. Yeah, very nice player. Good year last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zach Plesak. You know, he had one really big year, and I haven't heard much from him since. But I think there must be some injuries or something like that. But a very talented young man for the Cleveland Ball Club.
0: Yeah, okay. he signed with someone, and I don't remember who. Yeah, it, it takes me a few weeks oh, into yeah. the season. I get I'm everything with straight. You.
1: Yeah, when you see the guys in the new uniforms and everything. Andrew uh, Heaney, the, the reliever for Texas right there. Yeah. great. They had a great bullpen, man. And this kid here, it says future star. You were talking about right now you would put the Reds as the favorite to win the division. Nick? L- L- and he is one of the bright young arms for the Cincinnati Reds and look out, they got a nice one-two their pigeon stats pretty good they're all young guys, and they all are very talented so this guy recognizes his name because I think he's got a bright future ahead of him so that's it for my uh, pack right there, Vince I am opening up Dondrous
0: 1992 Series 2
1: alright, let's see how many Hall of Famers are in there I'm That's thinking- I'm picking two. I'll take three. I'll, All right, go you're going the over. All right.
0: There is <laughs> a checklist.
1: Oh, we got cheated right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, we got cheated.
0: Well, could have been a Hall of Famer if things would have worked out different. Jose Canseco.
1: Oh, Jose Canseco. Taking uh, that baseball off the top of the head
0: former pitcher for the uh for the brewers
2: Edwin Nuwes Oh yes okay i remember him
0: uh former blue jay pitcher Juan Guzman
1: Oh yeah Guzman had some good years
0: yeah yeah it's pretty good for the yankees Wade Taylor i don't remember him
1: I don't remember him no i don't either
0: Very, very handsome guy. there.
1: Oh, yeah. The Yankees. Short hair, no mustaches or beards. They got mustaches now.
0: Oh. For the Indians, Carlos Martinez.
1: I think it's a different Carlos Martinez.
0: Yeah, there's been a few of them. Yeah. All right. Pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, Tom Candiotti.
1: Oh, yeah. Knuckleballer.
0: Do you remember the movie uh, 62, the Billy Crystal movie about the uh, 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 the, Home Run Chase?
1: Chase. Yeah.
0: yeah. Do you know that in the uh, scene where they brought in Hoyt Wilhelm to face Maris? That was Candiati. Because Billy Crystal, who's a huge baseball fan, wanted an actual knuckleballer to come in. How's he played that role.
1: All right. He's in the Union. Yeah. he's in the, in the Actors Guild.
0: Uh Dale's Fame.
1: I remember him. I do remember him.
0: Yeah, played with the Cardinals and or the Cubs uh, a little bit. Coached. I think Milwaukee. Milwaukee, yeah. Joe Gray. Don't remember him. No. Joseph Milton Gray. G-R-A-H-E. Sorry.
1: Was he a cat? Oh. K- was he in Cabaret? Was he, Was that the guy in Cabaret? Joe, Joe Gray.
0: I know this is going to be one of your all-time favorite Cardinals. Okay. Hurricane Hudler.
1: Oh, love Rex Hudler. Love Rex Come on the podcast, Rex Hudler. I want to talk to that guy about oh. fishing, hunting, everything.
0: Yeah, and, and he's, a, he's a great color commentator. Awesome. Oh, yeah,
1: he's fantastic.
0: Got our first Hall of Famer. All right. The much-hated... Ozzie Smith.
1: <laughs> the Wizard. I think I got him on the back here somewhere.
0: Uh, uh, former Reds and Mariners catcher, uh, Dan Wilson. Yeah, some pretty decent years. Yeah,
1: I remember him. Uh, Seattle, for sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, we have Andahar Cedeno. I think he had yes. a stint with the Cubs. Astros. Uh, and we have Rance Mullenix, decent career.
1: Oh, yeah. Utility man.
0: Yep. And our Diamond Kings card in this package, usually a Hall of Famer, is not a Hall of Famer. Well. But a very, very Hall of Very Good player, El Presidente, Denis Martinez.
1: Yes. Very good player. Love that so, guy.
0: So I should have said one, one Hall of Famer, but I didn't. I said three. Because I am what is known as stupid. And,
1: uh, you're all or nothing. Every time we do trivia, you put it all on the line. You, you you pressure me at the end. I always play conservative. Of-
0: I will gamble if it's not my money, but yeah, when it's <laughs> when it's actual real money, I am. Uh, I I nope. I don't play yeah. poker. I don't play slots. I don't do any of that stuff. So afraid I'm gonna lose a dime. So. So you can just call me Ebenezer. <laughs> well, JJ, I'm really excited about next week because we have a uh, player for the Belleville Stags, which is one of those old-timey, barehanded baseball teams that plays in a league. And uh, Brent Kohlenberger is going to come here and he's going to talk about how he got into it, uh, the nuances of the league and stuff of that nature. So that's going to be a very fun interview. And uh, also this week, uh, the Cubs will not sign anybody of note because uh, we just haven't done that for. We've had one week where we signed Imanaga, and that was it, and nothing much has happened. So, anyway, uh, remember, guess the cubby, uh, the sky right behind me, and uh, we will see you all next week.
1: Take care.